0: You are listening to Move With Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because there is a more freeing way to be fit. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Move with Radiance. I'm so excited you all are here with me. And I wanted to just... I don't really have any... Well, okay, that's a lot. I have some some big news <laughs> pieces here. Um, I think I would mentioned this on another episode, but next Monday, June 11th, I'm actually starting my certification program to become a little bit more knowledgeable in the area of disordered eating, um, binge eating, emotional eating, and how to help my clients get to the root cause of the problem. And I am just really excited to bring all of you a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more just all around good stuff. (laughs) So I'm starting that program. I've really done a lot of work in cultivating space for that, the past couple of months which have been really hard because I feel like I need to do all of the things all the time but I'm finally ready to fill that space with something that's really important to me so look for some good things coming up and then in the, the personal world <laughs> um, my boyfriend and I are actually moving in July and We're just getting a bigger space, which means a dedicated office space, which is so exciting. And we are also getting a puppy. (laughs) So I'm really excited. I've been wanting a dog for a long time and, um, we're finally going to commit to it. And then Eric also purchased a van. So we're going to be, I don't know if you've seen the hashtag van life, but maybe we'll be trending. So lots of really exciting stuff coming up. Um, just thought I'd keep y'all posted with what's going on in my random part of the world. But anywho, let's jump into the bulk of this episode. Um, I sat down with Hannah Meyer, who is a no diet or anti-diet dietitian. And gosh, we dig into so many good things. Um, oh, we cover kind of her view on what it means to be an anti-diet dietitian as well as, um, listening to your body cues. That means hunger, you know, how we would never ignore going to the bathroom as like, you know, our body telling us that's what we need to do. Um, why should we ignore our hunger cues? Um, we go into more around intuitive eating and how uh, we talk, uh, I mean, we break down intuitive eating in all sorts of different ways. Um, And then we also dig into what health means and how I think these health and fitness industries have really defined health um, from like an outside standpoint in terms of what you look like. And if you look a certain way, that means you're healthy, but what about your mental healthiness? And what about your personal definition of what that means? And we just kind of dig into and challenge the standard of what health is today. So I mean, and we dig into it even more, but um I'll let you guys listen to the actual conversation instead of ramble on for twenty minutes about how excited I am about the conversation. <laughs> um so let me tell you a little bit more about Hannah. Hannah is a registered dietitian living in Boston, Massachusetts, where she works for the health food startup, 88 Acres by Day, and runs a private nutrition counseling practice, Nutrition in Real Life, by night and weekends. She is passionate about demystifying nutrition and breaking down BS diet rules, helping everyone find joy in food again and peace with their bodies. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Hannah.
1: Hannah. Hi, Stephanie. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat.
0: Yeah, we've been kind of back and forth for a few months. And so I know you've been like crazy with school and
1: everything and you're done now. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm done. I um, graduated officially. Done with school for probably the last time, I'm thinking. officially <laughs> with like real school. Um, but yeah, yesterday I actually started working full-time 40 hours a week for um, a food company in Boston here called Indian Acres. So this is like my first real week of like being a real adult. Um, so that's exciting.
0: Yay, congrats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good segue. I wanted to start off with you telling everyone a little bit about you and mm-hmm. we'll just go from there.
1: Sure. Um, so I am a registered dietitian based in Boston Um, I've been out here for the past almost four years. Um, I moved out here from Wisconsin, um, where I went to undergrad at the University of Wisconsin-Madison to do my dietetic internship at Mass General. And then after I completed that, which was an awesome experience, I wasn't really ready to leave Boston. So I looked into grad programs. Um, I was kind of looking at those while I was in my internship and thinking about, I was actually considering doing the Peace Corps, maybe, or going back to Minnesota. Um, But I found the program at Tufts, which is what I ended up doing, which was a Master's of Science in Nutrition, Communication, and Behavior Change. Um, And so that's the program that I just recently completed, and it was great. It was a good fusion of what I really enjoy doing with nutrition, which is telling people about it, so communicating, um, and going a little bit deeper than just telling people what it is, but also thinking about how they're synthesizing that information and thinking about their behavior and how they're actually going to put the nutrition information into practice in their life. So the program I trust is really great at um, just kind of giving a a good background and understanding of um, how programming has worked and has tried to improve nutrition um, more broadly. And so yeah, I'm out here now. I have been working part-time for a food company here called 88 Acres, which is a seed-based company making um, snack bars and seed products, seed butters. And then I started my private practice, just kind of dove right in um, earlier this year before I was even done with school. I just kind of was feeling the itch to get started. And so I put all the pieces together and launched that in February. And I've been keeping it at a kind of small scale, learning what my practice style is like and what it's like to be on my own and be my own boss and what my, um, you know, voices with that too. So I'm doing that part-time on the side now as well. And yeah, so that's kind of the basics of where I'm from and what I do. Um, And I'm sure we'll kind of get into some more of the other stuff throughout the, the interview.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know we're, we're similar in the part-time, full-time, all the things gigs.
1: It's hard to just pick one. I've never been the person to only focus on one thing. I think even when I was an undergrad, I kind of knew that I was, I couldn't just pick one part of nutrition I liked the best. I was like, well, I want to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I think I'm really, I mean, I, I'm really excited for what I have going on. I think I've finally found something that like really fits with my personality so that's I'm really
0: excited. exciting yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome well i really wanted to have you on to talk about so like there's a whole movement right now of this whole intuitive eating and um health at every size and all this kind of stuff and i'm seeing more and more you know dietitians and people talking about nutrition in a way that's like anti diet which mm-hmm. I feel might be unfamiliar for some people to hear you're an anti-diet dietitian. Um, yeah. And so I wanted to dig into how you sort of became interested in that and why you're passionate about all of it. And we can go into more. That's a lot of questions We'll start with. So we'll just go, go from there.
1: <laughs> okay. So how I got started in intuitive eating or like why I'm drawn to it or...
0: Yeah, I mean, let's... I'd love to hear your story if that's okay. And then yeah. Why you're so, so drawn. Yeah.
1: Great. So, I mean, I guess I never really considered myself a dietitian that was into restrictive diets. Um, even when I was like learning about nutrition in undergrad really like the nuts and bolts of nutrition, I was very much, um, in favor of like letting all foods, To fit into um, your diet. I I mean, this was in Wisconsin, so my lifestyle was very much like full of cheese and bread and like uh, the foods that typically are, you know, victimized a lot of the time. So I was all about trying to learn how to fit those into a healthy diet. But at the same time, I was still like learning about, you know, the rigid rules and like still had the mentality of like we should be choosing fewer calories and that high calorie diets are kind of the enemy, I guess, of like things that we're trying to guide people to choose lower calorie things. And, um, you know, this was when I was learning actually like learning about nutrition, um, which came after my experience in high school, um, where I did kind of, I did develop an eating disorder and had worked through that on my own. Um, and that was very much more like fear driven and it was a coping mechanism and something that I, I had worked through a lot more. And so, but that kind of started my whole interest in food really and why I landed in this career path that I did. So really like a whole part of my healing process from that was learning how to like make all foods fit into um, a healthy diet. And I had really kind of worked on that relationship um, with food and, but then it really wasn't until a couple years ago that I had even like really heard of intuitive eating as a paradigm. I think Um, I might have read a few blogs about it, like in college that people said they were like intuitive eating or like, I think I have this memory of reading a blogger, um, explain her dinner and she like wanted the pasta. So she had the pasta and it was like this whole crazy thing. And I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, like I could remember, you know, usually it was like a a pretty common experience to be out at dinner and like looking at the menu and thinking like, Oh, I shouldn't have the pasta. Cause that's too many carbs. Like I should find a more balanced option or like what's going to have more veggies in there. And like, what's going to be more like healthy. I'm like the healthy one, so I should have a healthy choice. Um, so I, I do remember like seeing other people kind of explain that process, but it always just seemed kind of like, um, to the side, not really what I was focusing on. And, but then a couple of years ago, I and it's really hard for me to like pinpoint exactly when all the pieces fell into place. But I, I know I w- I had started running a lot more. I was in a community um, of people that were more vocal about their experiences with eating disorders and having experienced amenorrhea. And I think intuitive eating was kind of in that whole conversation as a way to reorient the way that you were eating and choosing foods to actually feel your body, um, for others like your performance or to recover from amenorrhea. And it was really interesting to me because I had also dealt with amenorrhea. Um, and so I started looking more into what this whole intuitive eating thing had to say. And then I finally read the book, um, intuitive eating by Elise Fresh and Evelyn Tripoli. And literally I couldn't stop reading it from the, like, I picked it up and I was like, Oh my gosh, this, all this makes so much sense. Um, I think I had also read a book before that called The Dorito Effect, um, which is kind of an interesting book. I read it for school. I was going to do like a little book review on it for the newspaper that um, I had contributed to. Um, and in there, I do remember it. basically the whole premise of the book is like how we got to this place where we have food products available that are basically um, manufactured to be addicting or like they have the perfect amount of like salty and flavoring and it's all the Dorito effect so it basically he was saying that all these like um processing techniques have kind of um warped our understanding our own innate understanding of how to tell what we need and what we wanted when we're full and in there he did have some like evidence from these studies where they looked at like babies and what they chose to eat and actually like goats and I think there was like a study of goats and like how they choose like particular types of grass based on what is going on in their body so it's really just like uncovering all these innate kind of cues that we should have but that are not really being responded to in today's modern food environment um so that kind of laid a, a bit of a groundwork I think for me to kind of have this um paradigm like ready to learn from and then when I was reading the book intuitive eating like so much of it just made sense from you know why are we telling people to choose foods that are highly processed just lower in calories and like that's what they should be sticking to and um like why what where did all these like food rules come from you know and it was really just like it really like Um, stuck with me a lot. I think at this time too, I was working in uh, dietary research. So, um, Sorry, that was kind of loud. But (laughs) I was working in... um, Yeah, so dietary research for for Tufts, um, they conduct a lot of nutrition studies, and my role was to collect 24-hour diet recalls from participants for the studies, and not every study was necessarily like a weight loss study. Um, But some of them were. And the ones that were, these participants were kind of counseled to consume a higher protein and higher fiber diet. And I just witnessed so much of a shift from when I would conduct a 24-hour recall of someone who was just starting the study, kind of eating how an average person might eat, you know, probably drinking wine every night, probably going out to lunch, maybe not eating breakfast, but like, you know, a general American diet. And then the six months later point after they had kind of gotten through all of this, the intervention, they would be eating like some people would eat literally the same thing for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It was like a light and thick Greek yogurt and fiber crackers and like a piece of fruit. And people were like counting their cherries. And it was just this major shift. And I could just see and hear in people like this whole rigid mindset and people had no flexibility around food. And so, I could tell that was an issue. And I was, you know, still not really at that point, i fully understanding intuitive eating, but going into then reading that book and really understanding all of the philosophies behind it, it made so much sense. And I could see that that was such a healthier way to, you know, teach people out about food. And I think I had, for the most part, inter- integrated the principles of intuitive eating in my own kind of life and how I would generally eat like there was still a few things that I definitely had to work through but for the most part that's how I would want to see other people eating and so it was really nice to kind of see it all laid out and like here's all the problems and like here's thought exercises you can do to kind of work through them and um so yeah so basically I never really thought I was going to have a private practice I mean I thought it was something that Maybe down the road, I would work in clinical for a little bit and do the outpatient thing and then maybe build up a client base and then have my own clients and do private practice. Um, Because I really did like, you know, counseling people during my internship. But I mean, it really wasn't until reading that book and kind of finding more dietitians who were doing this that I really felt called to do is kind of work and have that be my, my focus of what I would work on with clients. Um, so I probably would not have started a private practice right now, if it weren't for finding that and really feeling like I had so much work to do with people. Um, so yeah, that was a really long winded answer. No, to, it's uh, great. Why do you do intuitive eating? But yeah,
0: no, that's great. Um, because that brings up some other questions. I was having a conversation with a friend and, even just like some other interviews I've had around like intuitive eating. And I feel like a lot of people who have discovered it, you know, it's really great for folks who've struggled with like eating disorders or disordered eating and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, because it helps you create this off limit for food. But we were, I was having a conversation with a friend who was like, well, what about this whole, like the sugar addiction or like these certain addiction things or like for someone who, um, you know, maybe needs to take a look at like, if they're eating Doritos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, that's not the best thing to be doing all of the time. So as a dietitian and as having those conversations about intuitive eating, is that trying to get to the, to the root of my question? Like how do you have those conversations with someone who maybe didn't struggle with an eating disorder and just needs to like, look at food from an intuitive place but maybe yeah. just not, you know
1: what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, like, totally. And I think this is like, I was just having a conversation recently with someone about this um, because I think it is, you know, intuitive eating is not saying that there's nothing wrong with our food environment. I think that's kind of what I've really learned and kind of how I've put everything that I've learned from like the nutrition science side and the policy side together with intuitive eating is like, intuitive eating doesn't mean like doesn't mean that all foods are going to be the best thing that we could possibly ever eat be like that are processed and manufactured to be a certain way it's really saying that like our perception of those foods and the messages that we're kind of internalizing about them are the are worse than what those foods could do and so you know it's really the reason like why the the question i would ask is like why are you eating Doritos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? You know, like, where did that come from? And like, it's sure it's, you know, let's experiment with like that not being often an off limits food for you, but like, why not try something like, how do you feel when you eat Doritos like compared to something else? And I think it's, there is like a whole learning process of, you know, learning how to take care of yourself and learning how to, um, respond to your body and listen to what what signals your body's even sending because I think I mean and this is true with someone recovering from an eating disorder as well is that they're disattached from their body's signals so you can't just you know send someone out into the sea of listening to your body when you have no idea what that means and that you've never done that before so I think um it's it's, I like that intuitive eating is more out there, but it's also something that I think people should really not try. And I mean, you can try and like integrate into your life, but I think people are probably going to be scared away from it too early if they're not working on it with either a therapist or a dietitian that's trained in intuitive eating to really get at the root of where these issues stem from, because it's really a systemic issue. It's, it's a food system problem. It's a messaging issue. It's, you know, diet culture is a multi-billion dollar industry and we have internalized these messages so deeply that it really takes a lot to get to the root of them and, you know, look at them from an outsider and, you know, yeah. So I hope that answers your question. Um,
0: Yeah, I'm over here like nodding my head ferociously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that like getting to the root of the issue, like you can't have a healthy relationship with food going on these fitness programs or meal prepping or diets or all of these things is not going to fix the issue you're covering up exactly. that's like causing all of these behaviors. And so just like you said, it's like learning how to ask why and figure out, you know, well, why am I having this? Where is this coming from? And getting curious and totally—that's I mean, like the answer to everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that it's all too easy to just look at intuitive eating the same way you would look at another diet um, if you don't actually ask those questions. And I think that's when it—it it really does not work for people because they're not taking enough time to really self-reflect on their choices. They're just, you know, going from a total diet mindset of restriction and. You know, and then just like going into this, like, well, I don't know what my body's saying. I don't really know how to respond to it, but like, I'm just going to experiment with like letting all foods fit, but they don't really understand how to take care of themselves. I think it, it's definitely a process and, you know, a part of the process is allowing all foods to fit and maybe going through a period of feeling a little bit uncomfortable with, um, you know, having a lot of foods that might not make you feel great, Mm -hmm. But knowing that there's like a that there's an end to that, like, and being non judgmental about the experience, and you know, just habituating yourself to those foods, I think is a, a big part of it. And it can be scary to do that alone if you're if you don't really know, you know what what to expect, or um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said about kind of going into these experiences um, understanding a little bit about nutrition. Um, because I think that it's a lot easier. A lot of the people who are talking about intuitive eating are nutritionists or dietitians who have, who have a basic understanding of what food is and, you know, what a carb is going to do, what a protein is going to do, what a fat is going to do. And so I think that there we're a lot more able to kind of take a neutral stance and like really understand what's going on. So I think if You know, if someone's just going in into this intuitive eating land and like really doesn't know what food is (laughs) um, or the different kinds of food and like what they can do for us, I think that's like you know, it's a little bit of a more of a murky area than if you're working with a dietitian who can really you know tell you you know what what food can do and and um, maybe give you a little bit of an understanding of you know this is why foods are filling, certain foods are filling because of this. Other foods aren't as filling because of this. And like the fact that they aren't filling isn't the problem, but you know, you can kind of just have a little bit more of a basic understanding of like what is happening in your body when you're eating foods. Um, so that they're less, they have a little bit less power, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know if that made sense, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think just having... I think, I think there's, it's multi, like there's so many layers to this because I think one, you need to understand, because I think a lot of people who struggle with this kind of stuff, I mean, I guess there's two different sections, but if you're talking about someone who has a bad relationship with food or disordered eating or this diet mentality, there's a reason why they're, they're, they're attaching to those things, you know, like there's some, if they get this weight or if they look this way or if they exercise X amount, then they are X. Like for me, it was I, my worthiness and I will be accepted and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's that layer where you're trying to understand where is that coming from? You know, like why am I trying to get to this certain weight? Why am I trying to do this? And then once you come to peace with that and sort of understand where that's coming from, you realize it really isn't about the food or the exercise. So I think then there's a really important piece, like you're saying, to understand and relearn what nutrition and what food is and what it does for you from a non-biased standpoint. Yeah. Because we've been taught so much garbage about food that we have this like good, bad label yeah. instead of understanding where you know, what works for your body and
1: why yeah. you know, it can come from a non-biased place. Totally, and I think that's more of like yeah, that gentle nutrition component um, that is really why it's important. I think to work with a dietitian on these things um, because yeah, I you're totally I totally am with you that like the real root of a lot of like diet culture and people's issues with food does come from a deeper place. Usually, it's not about the food, but if you really it really helps. I think to if you're if your goal is health and like taking care of yourself, to really understand why we're eating food, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like we need to eat food and um and you know, there's there doesn't need to be rules about the food we're eating. Um but I think we're better able to take care of ourselves and listen to our body and respond to it when we understand like why we're choosing the foods we do. Like for example, you know, if I know that I'm going to um that I'm feeling hungry and like maybe I can look back at my lunch that I had two hours ago and realize like, oh, maybe it didn't have enough fat or protein in it, like foods that have fat or protein because I'm feeling really hungry. So next time that I have lunch, that same lunch, I'll add these certain foods to it so that I can then, you know, honor what my body needed at that time better the next time. And instead of just feeling like, oh no, I didn't listen to my body. I'm really hungry. I'm going to like eat something, but not really understand what I'm eating or what I need. You know, I, I think it, it's definitely a process. Um, and everybody's at a different place, which is where like really meeting one-on-one with someone really helps understand like what the issue is. Like some people don't need that knowledge. Like some people know too much about food and we're going to focus more on the other stuff the diet rules like where this is coming from and other people like where we work more in like the public health space and I feel like that these messages can fit there for sure but I think in the public health space is much more where we're doing a little bit more of the education about what food is um but also saying like you know you best um so it's yeah it's definitely different depending on who you're talking with and you know, what issues you're working on specifically for you. Yeah. I think just education in general
0: is huge. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Well, and you talk about, I mean, you say this on your site, you know, you say like we have created this like separation between our mind and our body. And so why don't we talk, I know we sort of dug into that, but let's dig into that a little bit more about specifically Mm -hmm. what that means in your mind.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this is where the diet rules really come into play is they, they basically tell you that you are wrong. Um, and what you need is wrong and you need to listen to someone else to tell you what you need. Um, and it really just sets up a a poor relationship, not only with food, but with your body. And if you're constantly trying to manipulate what you're feeling, you know, a, a common one is, you know, is it's bad to feel hungry or like you should suppress your appetite or, you know, push through hunger. You know, these are all just like messages that are very common in the diet industry and we still see them all over the place. Yet, if you really step back and think about like, why would you ever suppress your body's natural communication mechanism? And I think, um, you know, if you, if you think about this thing that is talked about in intuitive eating and it's called interoceptive awareness and it's this understanding of being aware of what is internal to you, like your body's internal messaging and a really common one that people feel is both, um, you know, having to go to the bathroom, you know, having, um, having a fat quickly beating heart or feeling like anxious or, um, you know, hot and all of these things, that our body is communicating and that we generally respond to and it's has nothing to do with the diet industry. Like when we, when we need to go to the bathroom, we typically go to the bathroom. Um, but why is it that when we feel hungry, we don't respond to that, you know? So it's, it's really about peeling back those layers and on, and like identifying any sort of messaging that's telling you to turn off your body or ignore what your body is telling you in favor of someone else's rule, and that can be as extreme as you know, ignore your hunger and like you know you have to be hungry to lose weight. All this BS, um, or as like or as not as extreme as something that might be like, choose something with lower sugar in it or, um, something that has added protein in it. Or it's like, you know, if that, if that choice is not yours that you need to be making, like, why are they telling you, you need to make it? And I think it's just, you know, um, you can make that choice. I'm not saying you can't ever chew the things that have added protein or hot, lower sugar. It's just like, why are you making it? Are you making that choice because you feel like you need to subscribe to something else or because that's actually what you think is going to make you feel the best at that time? So um, I think intuitive eating does a really good job of identifying those external messages and really reorienting the experience of whatever you're feeling to be honoring what you need with food.
0: Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> so many. I mean, and I've talked about this before, but like so many of us rely on someone else to tell us our next step. And like you said, we've just completely separated this mind body thing where we've stopped list. Like th- when you say it like that, where it's like, I would never not go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like yeah. your hunger is just another cue from your body saying, this is what I need. And so right. by not honoring that, it's like, I mean, it's just thinking about not, not going to the bathroom is crazy. So why is like suppressing Um, hunger crate, like not crazy, you know?
1: Like you think about our body's natural response to like not going to the bathroom. Like it's not pretty to think about, but it ends up being like a really urgent thing and maybe hard to control. Like maybe you can't control it. And like that same thing will happen with hunger. Like the more you suppress it and suppress it and ignore it, ultimately we need food. And so our body is going to somehow get that food in. And usually if we have been suppressing it and ignoring our appetite or our hunger signals for so long, it usually results in an uncontrollable, urgent need to get food. And it's not pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, our body communicates to us for a reason. And the best thing we can do is try and listen to those signals, communication. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that leads to my next question of why diets don't work. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you pretty much answered it right there. It's because, you know, for suppressing for so long and not listening to the things we're actually wanting leads to, I hate this quote, but falling off the wagon, you know, where you then go Mm -hmm. eat 16 boxes of cereal, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, theoretically and physiologically dieting, is designed to fail. Um, but it's also designed to keep you coming back. Um, so, I mean, really that's why the industry is so, has been so successful because people start a diet, they restrict and, you know, like we kind of, what, like I alluded to restrict ultimately, that doesn't work for long-term. You end up going back, Eating, And it might not even be that urgent, but like when you, when you don't eat, when you restrict your eating and lower your calories to a certain level, our body naturally to survive lowers the rate at which it's burning calories so that we're not just like withering down um, to nothing. Like we need to stay alive. And so Our body's natural response to do that is to lower our metabolic rate so that we can get through this periods of starvation. Like this is designed to keep us alive. Um, But what that does is then when you try and maybe go back to normal, or maybe you say you're like, okay, I'm done with this diet. It's not working for me. Maybe it's not necessarily a binge that's happening, but you're kind of trying to go back to the way you might've eaten before or something like that. But what's, what really commonly happens is that you end up gaining weight quickly and maybe more than you did before because for one thing, our our metabolism has slowed down. Um, So it's a lot easier for us to gain weight. And then also our body has been trained to think that we had just been in starvation. So it's also trained to think that that could happen again. So we better carry a little bit extra of the stuff that's going to keep us alive during that next time. So a lot of people end up gaining more weight than they had even originally started off with. So and then because of our society telling us we need to be thin, you know, this is just this constant cycle of, okay, let's start another diet. And, and then this whole cycle repeats itself again. So what we see a lot is like weight cycling with people's weight ending up to be going higher and higher over time. Um, even though in between those that, that slope, that upward slope, there might be these dips of like people going on diets. And it, it might quote unquote work. Um, wherein they lose weight in the short term, but that's not actually sustainable. And actually it's really counterintuitive because you see them actually gaining weight over time. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's why, why diets don't work. And then you have the whole mental aspect of, you know, why do people keep going on diets? Um, and it really is that cycle of restricting, you know, gaining weight, feeling more shame and being stigmatized maybe because of the size that you are or the fact that you did gain weight and that your body changed shape in a way that wasn't desirable in our societal standards. So then you feel compelled to then go on another diet. And it's just like this never ending cycle. Um, and it's better to just not hop on there. But I mean, I, I don't know one person who hasn't really been affected by... By that at some point <laughs> in yeah. their life
0: it's like everyone
1: yeah, <laughs> see, yeah. They,
0: the industry is genius for yes and then if you just look at it as a it's a money hungry like they don't give a shit about your health it's no so backwards <laughs> it's so backwards <laughs> totally like health and fit like it just that's a whole other conversation but <laughs> totally and okay so that leads me to another question. I think I'm wondering what your thoughts are. If someone came to you and they said, I do want to lose weight. So like, do you, how do you view weight loss?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I struggled with this and I think I really realized like, I can't just say like, you're wrong. (laughs) Basically like everybody, I think that feeling is so common and it's really more important. I think if that's my first visit with someone, you know, I'll really get to know more of like where that feeling comes from, you know, where did that feeling start? What has your history been like? And, you know, learning more about that person's relationship to food and like leaving, leaving the weight loss on the table, I think for a little bit and just kind of like distancing ourselves from that idea and like being less tied to it. I definitely say, to people, you know, it's not what I focus on. I'd rather focus on things we can, um, that translate more to health. Um, and that way doesn't always translate to health, but we can definitely like leave room on leave, like leave room for that in our conversations. And, um, we don't have to, you know, never say it like it's a dirty word or anything like that. Um, because I think there is a lot that goes, that's like underneath the surface and, People's desire to lose weight typically stems from some type of body image concern that is more, it's hard to work on, but there's more to work on there and it's worth working on because I think that is really what creates resiliency is working on your own image of yourself and, you know, your own way that you perceive yourself is going to translate to so many different ways that you can learn how to take care of yourself throughout your entire life. And, um, you know, it'll, it's a long conversation usually, but you know, there, there might be some sort of some discussion of why diets don't work kind of talking about that whole cycle, but, but not to shame anyone or make them feel bad or like they're, you know, stuck in this cycle that like, oh no, I made this horrible decision. And like, now I can't ever recover from that. And I think that, um, you know, there's also been a lot of, pushback I think in the, in the nutrition community because of, you know, being anti-weight loss. And I, I don't think that that is the case. I think it's, um, it's just a matter of separating weight from what you're talking about. And, you know, are you talking to someone about their eating habits and their, the way that they're taking care of themselves and their ability to nourish themselves? Um, and you know, if someone is at a higher weight because of their the fact that they were stuck in a diet cycle or because of the fact that they couldn't get control of the way that they were eating and binging all the time. And like maybe weight loss does happen, but that's not what we're looking for. So I think that like it's harder work to separate weight loss from health, I think. And from the conversation around nutrition, because it's been tied to nutrition for so long. Um, but it's definitely not something that I would, um, Completely, like shun, I guess, because I think that there's a lot. There's a lot more to really talk about when we talk about why we want to lose weight.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've my brain went like two separate directions, so I'm gonna follow this one first.
1: I think my my <laughs> whole thing went into two separate directions, <laughs> so I don't blame
0: you. <laughs> I mean, it's just these topics are so deep. Like they are. It's hard to stay. Like there's just so many different ways we can go with it, and so. Yeah. I'm going to add another like question that's, I I have written down here, what is health? And so when we're looking at health, I think that word's gotten so lost. And so from your side and what you've learned, like what in a broad sense, what is health?
1: (laughs) I mean, I think that's like the million dollar question um, because I think it's so context specific, um, because it really, there is no one answer to what is health. Um, and I think you really have to determine what that means for you. Um, and if I were to say, you know, I really don't think that anything that's inhibiting your full experience of life can be healthy. I don't think that anything that is taking in in unbalanced. And that's like also hard to define, but like, if anything is taking up too much room in your brain or your life, or it's preventing you from having, you know, quality relationships with people. Um, or if it's, if it's something you're thinking about or doing for most of your waking hours, like that's not healthy. Um, but I think that, it's it's so hard to define what health is I I the traditional definition I think is like the absence of disease Mm. (laughs) um but I don't think that we necessarily need to like be be okay like settle there I think you can kind of look to have a fuller life but I don't necessarily think that um you know I think we can get caught up in like now what we look at it as wellness culture and feeling like you have to turning it into another set of like, like rules you have to follow and things you have to do in order to like achieve optimal health. I, I really don't think that has a definition. I don't think optimal health has a definition. Um, and I think, you know, what health is changes over time. And so your priorities change. And I think as long as you're kind of living according to your values and you have the full capacity to do so. And again, I say that really carefully because I know there are all these, you know, I don't, I think that someone with a disability or who has a limited capacity, like with their body and physically, like still can achieve, you know, health. (laughs) I I don't want to like feel like that's like a limiting definition because, you know, there are all these different layers to like, what, what is the fullest experience of life you can have. Um, so I think it's really like, personal to you and what you want and where you live and who you live with and all these different layers um, that it's, it's so hard to answer that question with just one sentence clearly. No, that I, I'm like, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well,
0: no, I think, I think what we get so stuck on the physical piece of like health you know and and we've put i think so many of us have put our own definitions of like or maybe like we've been force fed these definitions and so we try and adhere to them but it is so individualized for like what health means and we forget about the whole mental aspect of health like If you're following all of these rules for this diet and exercise and you're maybe, you look, uh, there's again, like, I don't believe in a lot of this stuff, but you look healthy. I'm using air quotes, but you're miserable. That's not health, you know? And I just love having it be whatever you want it to be and what it means for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about a pressure relief. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Just like, I don't know. I, uh, now my whole, I have like a whole other question and I can't remember what I was going to ask you.
1: I mean, and I would just add like also remembering that like you, no one is forcing you to be healthy. Like mm. healthism is like a whole other issue where that's a whole other layer of feeling like, adequate in our society because our society values health as a measure of your worthiness. And like when you have people who have inborn, you know, diseases or things that that are completely out of their control like a lot of health is out of our personal um control so having that as like the highest value of someone's status is really also kind of dangerous and can lead to um poor relationship with yourself and how you're feeling other people so I just wanted to like add that in there too that like it's fine to strive for health if that's what you want but that that's not you can't, you know. Not everyone has to do that. Not that that doesn't that doesn't have to be a value for everyone else in order to make them be a worthy human being. to um, some people, like you, really just have to make the choice. If if it's not a value, it's not a value for you, and that's that has to be okay. <laughs> and I think relieving a lot of that pressure ends up being healthy in the end of the day. And so,
0: yeah, seriously, like yeah. It can, ah, <laughs> I, I love that. I mean, I think we need to start being honest about that. Like, I think we need to start talking about this more and that again, I just think life in today, we just rely so much on what everyone else says we should be. And we've gotten so lost. And that's why I love your message about it being so individualized and like no approach fits all. Like it's not a one size fit fits all thing. It's like, we need to pull back and start asking ourselves questions and start getting curious and like figure it out for ourselves because it just is impossible to put a blanket over the whole thing. Like, yeah, it doesn't work. (laughs) 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 So, um, man, I feel like I could go in so many different directions, but we are running short on time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um do you have any other thoughts? I feel I feel like I covered all the things I wanted to like dig in with you. Do you
1: have anything else that you wanted to talk about today or that you want to share or Well, I mean, I know I love the name of your podcast like Move with Radiance. I think that it really um underscores kind of the way that I approach just this whole kind of translating the principles of intuitive eating into like a way to live life. And that, um, it's really a whole like intuitive living, I think, and like really learning how to listen to your body in terms of, you know, what we're feeding it. And yeah, like nutrition is my profession, but I also work with a lot of like active people. And so it's also moving with intuition and listening and remembering when to slow down and when, that is actually the healthier choice. And then there's a whole other, you know, we have our diet culture telling us what to eat um, and how small we should be. And I think it really has like an overlapping with Venn diagram with fitness culture telling us how we should move and also how small we should be um, or what, what we should look like. But it's really, it's, I think there's a ton of overlap in those areas. And um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say like, I super resonate with your message and it's something that I've, um, been working on you know in my personal life more so than like the diet messages um, was the the exercise messages because as um as the runner who got really interested in running and um you know a little bit maybe overly dependent on it I taking a step away and like really like working on my relationship to fitness and exercise has been super eye opening and I think is also allow me to understand even more of the complexities of diet culture. Um, So I would say too, like if anyone is kind of struggling to understand diet culture, maybe it would be a little bit more easy to understand fitness culture and like the messages that we get there and like working on that might help translate into some of the eating um, and vice versa. And I think that it's really just um, a lesson in curiosity, which I think I, I love what you said that It's just, I think that's the main message is taking judgment out of the equation. Like we're all in this together. We've all been a part of this system. So no wonder we're struggling with it. Um, And it's really just taking like the judgment out and just being curious and being a little like forgiving to ourselves Um, that we've, that we're dealing with these kinds of things and having to question what our body is trying to tell us at the most basic level.
0: Yes. I think takeaway is just get curious and be forgiving. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't move on until you're okay with any outcome.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Totally. It's, it's like,
0: yeah, you might gain a little bit of weight, you know, that's okay. Mm. And life is long. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And defining like, like, what? That doesn't matter, you know? Like, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it really doesn't matter.
0: It, like, it really doesn't matter. I just, I just, once you can release that, it is so freeing to be like, who gives a flying frick what my body looks like? How am I feeling with me, not what everyone else is telling me?
1: Uh Uh-huh. So cool. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. It is immensely freeing, um, totally to not be a slave to anyone else's judgments of you or your own judgments of you, yes, because yeah. that' was yeah. be
0: equally as harsh yeah <laughs> totally. um, and i yeah, I agree with the whole the whole movement piece. I think it all goes hand in hand. I think both industries are like you said, spreading these messages of unworthiness and not good enough and we, I think as a society sometimes desire this acceptance and that we will do whatever it takes to, to get that acceptance. And I think a lot of us fall into the diet culture, fitness culture mentality of, you know, if I look this way, I'll be accepted, but
1: it just mm-hmm. doesn't
0: have to be that way. <laughs> well, Hannah, where can everyone find you if they want to connect?
1: Awesome. Yeah. So I can be found mostly on Instagram. It's really the only social media channel that I really participate in. Um, But my handle is dietitian with a T um, dot Hannah. So D I E T I T I A N dot Hannah. Um, And then my website is that same thing without the dots. So dietitianhannah.com. Um, and that's where you can find my email and shoot me an email and happy to chat with whoever um, wants to chat. And I would love to, um, interact and do more fun things on Instagram. I really, I use it to post like pictures of food, usually with some sort of cheesy, like message, um, all about, you know, breaking down food rules and it's never really to show you like the ultimate, like, Goal foods like some. Um, I'm not a chef, I'm not a cook, I don't really make appetizing looking things. Um, but it's all just you know showing what really food can be and what food should be. So, how about that kind of stuff? Awesome,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hannah, it's been so great to connect with you. <laughs> oh,
1: you too. I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Like, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so honored.
0: Yeah, um, I will share all of the, where everyone can connect with you. Um, I have a couple, I want to put some of these book links and stuff in the show notes so that everyone can access everything we talked about today. And yeah, thank you.
1: Yeah. And if no one else has recommended it, um, yet, um, I would definitely recommend that your listeners, I mean, read intuitive eating, but also go through the workbook, Mm. which was released this year. So it's the intuitive eating workbook, but that really like kind of makes these ideas a little bit more tangible. Um, it's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's to have something you can actually like work alongside and not yeah. just like,
1: oh fuck, what do I do? Right. Exactly. Don't go out into the sea with no with no life jacket. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well
0: awesome. thanks, Hannah. Thank you everyone for being here. And we will all chat soon.
1: Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: thank you so, so much for listening and for being here with me. If you want more resources, pop on over to www.stephanie-dankelson.com. And until next time, stay radiant.